Hi, this is Cody Daigle-Oriens. This is Neil Daigle-Oriens. And welcome to another episode of Bearded Fruit. Ignore the dog whining. Yeah. Yay. I mean, yay. There you go. Um, yeah, so we had a little short little break for a week or two. <laughs> Because we're, no, we're so busy. We're so busy these days. Like, we're there's so much so stuff going on. Busy. And, uh, Neil's working two jobs, and I'm kind of crazy at work. And, I mean, fair. And <laughs> these we, are we true, have a new dog things. to parent. We're mm-hmm. parenting a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we're back with, uh, with an episode. Um, it's now suddenly fall here in yes, Connecticut, which is amazing. Like yesterday. I love it so much. Hoodies are happening, cardigans are happening. Bow ties and coats are happening. Blouses. Everything. Scarves will soon be happening. Scarves. And I could not be happier. He's been happier. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Before taxes. Yeah. Um, so this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about something scandalous. 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 We're going to be talking about non-monogamy. Bearded fruits at night. After dark. Ooh. Special dark. Hello. Like the chocolate. Um, first yeah, we're going to... First time... <laughs> what? First time... Uh, uh, no, no, it's like it's like long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about non-monogamy to this week. Um, there was recently a study that I found on the interwebs, because I like to do that stuff, uh, by two researchers named Blake Spears and Lance Lowen. They are a gay male couple. That's a name. They have been together for over 40 years, and they have periodically done research on open relationships and how they work in gay uh, pairings. Okay. And so they recently released a study uh, of younger gay men aged 18 to 40 called, wait for it, Choices. 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 Tatiana. Choices. Um, robbed. So um, the <laughs> it's called Choices, Perspectives of Younger Gay Men on Monogamy. And it was a study on the perspectives of <laughs> younger gay men on monogamy oh my god really and because they're making choices i had no idea that that's what this study was i know about. it was thank really you. surprising thank you for that completely necessary exposition i know it was a big twist yeah a plot twist it was like i was watching scream season two over again exactly. now on netflix um so but the study had some interesting findings about monogamy and younger gay male male couples and what they think about it i don't know just forgive me it's a sunday <laughs> younger gay yeah <laughs> Yes, younger gay mules and what they think about, <laughs> as opposed to old gay mules, yes, because we yeah. don't care what they think. No, why would no. you? No, so um, the study found that 86% of relationships are monogamous, reported, but the couples that were interviewed for this study, uh, 86% of them, of gay men 18 to 40, are saying they're in monogamous relationships. And 90% of the single young gay men that were interviewed for this study are seeking Monogamy. Mm. And so what Blake Spears and Lance Lowen have found in this choices perspective of younger gay men on monogamy is that there is a trend in young gay men back toward monogamy as a value, as a goal um, for their relationships. And there's a bunch of other fun stuff which we're going to get into, but let's just start with there. So um, 86% of the relationships are monogamous. I don't know if I believe that. Ooh, coming for the like, gays. I mean, I don't, okay, look, okay, look, let, let's be let's be straight. Um, Ooh. Now tell me if you're really gonna love me forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's one thing to report in a study that your relationship is monogamous, and it's another thing to actually 
be in a truly monogamous relationship because I know I've said this, um, I've said this on Facebook, uh, but I've also like in life that, you know, a lot of people can claim that they're in monogamous relationships and be completely not monogamous mm-hmm. behind their partner's back or with their partner's full knowledge that they mm-hmm. just have agreed. Well, we're going to say that we're monogamous and that's what our line is. Mm-hmm. So that to some degree lying is also a relationship preference and a relationship style, even though that's not being surveyed here. That's not very ethical in your sluttery. It's not ethical sluttery. No, not at all. Um, and there's a part of me that is um, thinking that the 86% is like an over-report mm-hmm. of what really is actually happening. Because how can you really do a study on mm-hmm. on this? Um, well, you, you would think that people would be more open and honest when the responses are anonymous, Um, which I'm assuming, I mean, I'm assuming that these responses are anonymous. Um, So I, you would think people would be more um, open and honest with that kind of a situation, but I don't necessarily believe that that is the case. Um, I think especially because seeing younger people, younger people are seeing more acceptance for gayness Mm -hmm. the 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 queer lifestyle yeah um that it makes more sense like monogamy makes more sense because that is what is being purported but that's a very like vanilla heteronormative yeah view of queerness yeah um so i don't know it kind of it kind of makes sense to me too because i feel like people even okay so even even disregarding the whole like queerness being queer thing Younger people, I think, tend to seek that out regardless of sexuality. Mm. And I think the reason why is because we are socialized into believing that, that there is one person for us. Yeah. We are we grow up seeing nothing but media that says that there is one person for us and that you get married and that you have kids and that you and that is just how you are supposed to live your life. So even when you throw being queer into that, that doesn't negate all that socialization. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that younger people say that they're seeking monogamy. And it doesn't surprise me that younger people say that they are monogamous because that's the goal. That's yeah. what we're told that we should be, even if we're queer. And so, yeah, I, I no, I agree. I mean, I think we're absolutely socialized to be, no matter who we are and what we are into, we're socialized to be in a lifelong relationship with one person that we only are with them and we only love them and we only want to have sex with them. Yeah. And that's... Thanks, Disney. Unrealistic. So here's another fun fact that I found from the, from the reporting on this uh, study. Um, among the people who were interviewed for this, uh, for choices, perspectives of younger gay men on monogamy, were 325 interviewees recruited from Grindr. Does that include... Okay, so does that include only the single gay men or is that everybody that includes the people who are already in relationships wait what do you mean okay so uh, um it says that um it they they i didn't get to the do you want me to get the whole thing out and then you guys question so the 325 interviewees were recruited on grinder and of those interviewees the 325 81 percent said that they were seeking monogamy from grinder Oh, okay. So yeah. those were only single men that they talked to on yes. Grindr? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. See that's what I was that's yes. what I was asking if if they like so where did they find the ones who were in a relationship? That's, that's a different part of the thing. Okay, but I'm I mean yeah. I'm just curious, like, did they also yeah. find them on Grinder? Because lies then lies. Right, no, I lies. agree. Like I, but 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 let's also let's also be like fair. If you're on Grinder 
or Growler or Scruff or Recon or whatever is jacked, jacked or whatever. Adam for Adam or I just whatever. Just the mic. I'm sorry. Um, it, you honestly expect me to believe that you're seeking monogamy in your relationship? I mean, come on. Shade. No, I mean, come on. Who are you fooling? Shade. Who are you trying to impress? He's saying that if you're in a relationship and you're on those apps, right? Or I'm just saying, saying that if, if you were on, on those apps, you were not, let's just say, that is not the place you go look for a monogamous partner. Okay, but where do you look then? Like, let's be real. Where do you look in today's, do you just go to Starbucks? Do you just go to Starbucks and be like, hey, barista, you're cute. Want to be monogamous with me? And then he's no, like, but, no, I have a wife. Well, okay, do you, okay, do you really think people are finding monogamous partners on Grinder? No, I'm not saying that. I'm okay. just saying, where else do we go? You go to a gay bar, or you go to a gay function, or you go to a gay meetup group, or you go to the bookstore, or you go through, you meet your friends, okay, but and have your friends hook you up with somebody. There are accessibility issues with that. I mean, I get it, but let's be honest. Are you finding monogamous men with like good Christian mingle values on Grinder? Maybe. No, they're not on Grinder. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't inherently want to say that that is true for an entire group of people who use an app. I mean, I'm not feeling okay. No, no, I don't feel like that's valid. I don't feel like it's valid to throw that on everybody. I'm not saying that everybody is fucking everybody under the sun on Grinder and those things, but when you're on an app that is specifically designed to connect with people who are in your immediate vicinity, that is the the, the thing that you're most likely going to accomplish there is probably going to be something physical. And you can look at how it's actually used because I'm going to be on, I'm on them. I am on them. Find me on Growler. Okay. Find me on Scruff. Okay. Don't, for starters, because that's <laughs> creepy. But, um, like, if we're really going to go there, if you're going to get personal with it, then let me, like, let me bring up a receipt in which we met on one of those apps and you were seeking monogamy. Okay, and clearly, <laughs> knowing how our first date turned out, I'm a lying whore. <laughs> I mean, no, like, let's no, be but fair. Like, like, I'm just saying, like, in the beginnings of our relationship, you made it super clear that monogamy was a thing that you wanted. Yes, and 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 I, and I can tell you, and I will be honest, that person was a very confused and not being honest with himself kind of person. Mm -hmm. And you know that to be true. I'm just saying, you know what that headset is like. like yes. Like, like, so, so I think I think it's perfectly fair to say that somebody could be on those apps who isn't a confused person who is looking for that um, sure that that unicorn could exist <sighs> sure of course okay chris pratt could also probably maybe be on grinder too that possibility does exist as well yeah he's he's a face so like profile. you know i mean i'm, I'm just saying that the, the the reality is that's not necessarily the place that you are going to find an abundance of men who are more interested in forming an emotional attachment. Well, abundance, of course not, but that doesn't mean you're not going to find somebody. Well, I'm not saying that. Okay. I mean, that's a little semantic argument right there of like, well, no, there may be that one person. Yeah, of course. It's always the case. But what about the one time? But we're talking about on average. I mean, is that the logical play? No, it's not. I don't know how you can qual uh, quantitate that, though. I mean, fine. We can agree it's to disagree. quantitate even a We word. can agree to disagree on the bearded fruit. Next week's episode is about divorce. <laughs> no. Whoa, I am unplugging my mic. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're not going to have Okay. So Whoa, are you, though? I am. Okay. So they did also interview monogamish couples, which is a, a monogamish was sort of coined by, by Dan Savage uh, relationships in which couples are mostly monogamous, but they occasionally will allow uh, play and such. 
and outside things in their relationships. And uh, what he what they found about this one, I thought this was interesting, and this is when I started to get ticked off with um, this study. So the monogamish couples were rejecting the nomenclature of open relationships, mm-hmm. that they weren't saying they were in an open relationship, they were in a monogamish relationship, because they perceived open relationships to be wide open, anything goes, screw everything that comes within a mile. And they associated that with a gay culture that was no longer necessary, which is the language they used. I think what's... Okay, with the way you're presenting that, like, did literally all of them say that? No, but, like, that's, that's the overall thing. That's mm-hmm. the result of the overall. That's the general attitude that came out of that group. Okay. And I I personally am like, screw you, young gays. Mm-hmm. That's not what you wrote in your notes. No, it's not what I wrote in my notes, um, but I'm trying to be a good person. Yeah. Um, that, so, I think that's... that's um, petty and semantic Mm -hmm. you know if you are sleeping with other people you're in an open relationship even if you only do it every once in a while i don't know i feel like there's a difference i feel like i feel like um i feel like open isn't the word okay so open isn't the word that you use to umbrella for that it's poly poly is the umbrella open relationships fit underneath the poly umbrella but then there are like less than open relationships right okay but i don't know that i would put open and poly uh, under the poly umbrella because i feel like poly denotes something a little broader and less okay but i it it fits under there it's it's in the spectrum because it is Um, it is extra outside of monogamous mm -hmm. It's non-monogamy. Love or, yeah, yeah. It's non-monogamy. It's and practicing non-monogamy, and, and which is the big umbrella, I yeah, think. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, like that is poly. Poly is practicing non-monogamy. Well, poly is more specifically, like, developing relationships. Is it, though? Yes. I feel like it's an umbrella. I feel like it's always been an umbrella. No, non-monogamy is the umbrella. Poly is more about specifically developing uh, relationships. Now, they could be just entirely sexual relationships, but they're... You know, I just think labels are for soup cans. <laughs> well, you know, but, I mean, I, at least, uh, you know, and of course I'm not speaking for everybody who's in the poly community, but uh, to poly for me, as I have always understood it, and as I, I mean, like to be honest, as we practice it... Mm-hmm. Um, is less about just simply engaging in sex outside of our primary relationship, but it is more about establishing uh, relationships with those people. Not necessarily emotional ones, but relationships with Right, them. but I feel like that's different from open, which is different yeah. from monogamous. I mean, but, you know, polyamory, amory, the part about, like, love, multiple loves, many uh-huh. loves, uh-huh. is, I think... Give important. me that linguistic semantics. You know, you, you, yes, like, daddy. non-monogamy as the umbrella makes sense. Those are all forms of, in ways that you can be non-monogamous. Okay. And I'm, practice non-monogamy. I mean, I'm, I'm not here for the, the um, calling something a part of gay culture that is no longer necessary. I'm not here yeah. for that, but, like, I do think it is, there is a certain validity in, in rejecting calling a relationship open. I do think there is a certain validity in that because I do feel like there is, there is something implied with that word open. Mm-hmm. I feel like there is something that's implied with that. There, there is something like permission isn't necessary. You can just go mm-hmm. and then tell your partner afterwards or whatever your agreement is. Whereas like monogamish feels more 
like there's conversation like now see this is interesting because we are part of that generational divide mm -hmm. we are on that generational divide and i to me an open relationship has always been about actually navigating boundaries open relationships aren't just people fuck whoever they want to fuck mm -hmm. it's actually navigating the rules and boundaries that are set by the two partners sometimes it is wide open and you can do whatever you want but open relationships, the people that I know who are in them and who have been in them for a long time, communicate often and negotiate very specific rules about that play. Well, I guess, okay, so the way it's being presented to me right here with, within this context, monogamish sounds more like threesomes than anything. Okay. Whereas I mean, open is open to one-on-one -on -one play. Okay. So I feel like, like, I, I feel like that's it. And like, like Dan Savage has been like, who comes up with this term has made it very clear. Like, is it, is it a sin to cheat on my partner if he's there with me? Like, mm -hmm. so like if he coined the term and is coming up with the nomenclature, then really it's, it's inviting a third partner into the play as opposed to an open relationship, which to me is one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. I mean, okay. That's okay. That distinction can exist. I, ju I think there is something problematic about saying i think there's something occurred of inherently about and we'll talk about that in, in just a second um there's something a little problematic to me about saying no my relationship isn't open it's monogamish because i have to hold on to that monogamy component mm -hmm. i have to put that label somehow on my relationship because the other thing is distasteful and it, i like we don't do that we don't do quote unquote that mm -hmm. we still practice non-monogamy and we still practice that in this monogamish relationship, but we don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some judgment in that. I mean, yeah, but I also think it's a clarification thing if we're taking it with the one-on-one -on -one versus threesome. I mean, okay. Because yep, I mean... That's what you're doing. No, yeah. I'm just saying, like, because yeah. like, I feel like that is a distinction that needs to be made, especially when finding a partner. Like, yeah. if you're finding a partner and and it's not okay for one-on-one -on -one play and it's threesome and like that changes the dynamic a lot mm -hmm. and maybe that person doesn't want to be the unicorn yeah maybe they want to be just with the one-on-one -on -one. yeah um so this is a heated episode <laughs> heated episode yeah. of bearded so fruit they're making a pie <laughs> so there are two things that they've sort of found uh, as general like like uh, takeaways from this this uh, study that they did with these younger gay men, and um, in terms of like finding reasons for why this is happening, and they are positing two of them, and you know no surprise because I'm the curmudgeon. I hate both of them. So the first one is that they find that younger gay men are increasingly able to that they're they're monogam they're tending toward monogamy because they're now increasingly able to adopt the models of monogamy due to marriage equality. And so they can make the choice now because marriage exists to integrate into the mainstream. Okay. And so that like they're, they're more tending toward monogamy because now they can be like their heterosexual counterparts, which is funny to me because heterosexual couples are, are like also super non-monogamous as well. Like, are there? Did you find a a, a compatriot study? No, that? I didn't. But but you know we know like d d adultery is a very common thing that happens in in heterosexual couples, and heterosexuality does include rampant non monogamy and open relationships in the same way that gay couples do. We're looking at you, Donald Trump. So, <laughs> no, so you know like that that this uh, sort of this like the notion that well now we're going to be monogamous because that's what that's what the mainstream people do is not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. The reality is that that's what society 
again, pushes on you and expects you to do socialization. Yeah. I mean, cause like, I don't think anybody until they get to that point wants to cheat on their spouse. Like, mm-hmm. like you don't, you don't think about cheating on your spouse for the most part on your wedding day. Like that's not really a thing that crosses your mind necessarily. Obviously there are people out there who do that, but like, that's that's not the idea. That's not the intent. So it's a thing that happens, mm-hmm. um, which I think like same with this. Like like gay people cheat on their partners all the time, and it's just a thing that happens because that's how we operate as humans. We're terrible. Yeah. Well, unless you negotiate non-monogamy, which then you're not cheating. Right. But then you have to negotiate. Um. The other thing that they sort of came to was that uh, younger gay men are leaning toward monogamy because they come out earlier. They're able to come out earlier. And they have less sexual experience that is hidden and in the closet. So what they're suggesting is that young gay men don't develop the negative sexual patterns of previous generations where a great deal of emphasis was put on engaging through sex. I mean, that's kind of fair. Like, I think that's I think that's sex negative judgment. No, no, no. But I think, okay, like, can you imagine coming out at the age of fourteen? In your experience, no. There are kids who come out at the age of fourteen. I mean, yeah, I get that. So I get that. So there, there are kids who I just hit the mic. There are kids who, like, come out at the age of fourteen when, like, sex is a thing because sex is always a thing. But it's the same as their straight counterparts. So they're coming out and they are, they are living authentically as themselves at an early age. So they're able to navigate that in a way that people like who don't come out until they're 18 or 20 or whatever um, don't get to experience necessarily. Like they, they, their, their version of socialization is different because they're open and because they're out. Um, even just the ability to say, I am this, creates a different way that you then take in socialization data. So I think, I think that is a different experience. I feel like that is a different experience. And like, I came out earlier than you came out, not by much, but earlier, I was still in high school. Um, so I feel like as a result, even though it was like 14 years apart, 18 years apart, um, 16 years apart, um, I feel like my experience being out in high school was different than your experience of being out outside of high school. I mean, okay. Can you imagine being out in high school? No, like, yeah, I get that. I get that. And I understand that, that now young people come out and experience their queerness in a completely different way. But I think it's, it's playing into this notion that there is some fundamental difference between the way that gay people engage with their sexuality over the general and engage with relationships and engage with those things that, and that heterosexual people are, are not doing the same things. But isn't that true? I mean, there's extra things. Yes, but it's not like straight people are, are tend toward monogamy and do it well. And everybody's monogamous. No, I know that. I'm just saying it's not the case. No, I'm just saying like, 
there is a fundamental difference between how we experience the world as sexual beings versus straight people, how they experience the world as sexual beings. Yes, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that there's like, it doesn't heterosexual people are engaging in similar kinds of like, like sexual behavior patterns. It's not like the behavior patterns of gay men are exclusive to gay men. Right, but... Those patterns are, are replicated in heterosexual people, too. But the conversation is completely framed differently. That's fair, but the behaviors are not and, different. No, I'm just saying, like, the conversation... We don't look at adultery between a man and his wife as non-monogamy. We don't. We think of it as cheating. Whereas, like, in, in the gay community, that's just kind of, like, a thing that happens. Like, how many couples do we know personally who just don't have sex with each other anymore? I know, but we also know a lot of people. Like, I know couples that, like, lose their shit whenever somebody cheats on them. No, I, I understand that. I'm just saying, like, like we know people who don't have sex with each other anymore, and then they seek that outside of their relationships, yet stay in their relationships. Yeah. Like... I, mean, I get that. I mean, I guess I'm, I guess there's just something about all of this to me that just... that that. It's not necessarily about being young or older, gay or straight. It's really about the things that society expects of us and the way that human beings actually are. Mm -hmm. That those are really the two different things. The expectation and and like what we're what I feel like you're really seeing is you're seeing that young gay men now that marriage is an option are really just now buying into the expectations that are foisted on heterosexual people. And so the reason they're 86% of the relationships are now monogamous in, when young gay people is because they do the same thing that heterosexual couples do and have to say that they're monogamous because that's what's expected of them. But that makes sense to me because it's a safety thing. Like, everybody just wants to belong, right? So everybody says they're monogamous because they want to belong because it's easier to say you're monogamous than it is to explain anything else. I know, but doesn't that suck? Of course it sucks. It sucks. It like, sucks, but it sucks. makes sense. Like, it sucks, but it makes sense. Yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying that it sucks. It shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't have this, like, sort of judgment that that because older gay men like to have a lot of sex with people and can comfortably have sex with, like, people they don't know terribly well, that that makes that, that experience somehow, um, that somehow, like, bad mm -hmm. inherently. Do some people experience like really negative repercussions from that kind of behavior? Absolutely. But that's that's about a, a multitude of other things. Mm -hmm. Having sex with a lot of people is not inherently a bad thing. Right. And like that that this kind of thinking does negate a lot of straight hookup culture. Yeah. Tender. <laughs> Yo, they hooking up. And also hetero and heterosexual people are getting married less and they're getting married later mm -hmm. so they are engaging in non-married sex a lot oh no cover your ears kids right? like they're they're engaging in a lot of non like young straight people are engaging in a similar kind of hookup culture that gay people are mm -hmm. but but for some reason there is like some negative well not for some reason it's because we are homophobic but um we as a culture are homophobic, not mm -hmm. Neil and I. Neil and I are not homophobic. I'm homophobic. Oh, no. <laughs> and oh, no. But, you know, like, sadly, heterosexuals can do that. Well, women misogynistically are then deemed sluts. Okay, but... stop. <laughs> we get it. There are nuances. <laughs> no, no, just go so, along with your I analogy. Know, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> that there is... It bothers me that there is sort of now this, it seems that there is in the younger gay men and younger gay people, there is now this kind of um, um, 
attitude of like, well, we will now be better. We will now we will now achieve heteronormative betterness. Okay, but I think I think here's the thing that's always been there. There has Ugh. always been an underlying the Medicine Society that has always existed. There has okay. always been a you're the kinds of gays who make us look bad, like that has always existed, and this is just a new form of that because technology. And okay, that's fair. I but I want to be the kind of gay that makes us look bad. <laughs> no, I do. Oh, honey, you already are. I know, and I'm damn proud of it. Like okay, John Waters. <laughs> no, like for real though. I mean, I, I just no. It's just I think this isn't surprising because it's always been this way and it's always going to be this way. Like so long as gay folks are oppressed, which they will always be, um, in one sh- way, shape, or form, some more than others. Um, as long as queer folks are always oppressed, there's always going to be a group of people who are like, well, they're doing it wrong. We're the proper queers. Um, we're the ones who are really making progress because look at us. We're so married and we're so child rearing and we're so house owning. Um, and we're just the two of us, just the two of us and our kids and our dog. Um, like that's always going to exist that there's always going to be that feeling of superiority within heteronormativity because we live in a heteronormative society. That's just how it works. Like thanks patriarchy. There's really nothing we can, I mean, there's plenty we can do about it, but like at the end of the day, that's always going to exist because the system is this, that deeply like maybe 300 years from now when gender no longer exists, maybe, but we're going to be dead or like in a computer somewhere. Yeah. You know, I just, I think, um, it, it has these sorts of things. And, and I also see something similar happen just in like in, in, in engagement between gay people who, um, you know, who, who like talk about the relationships, like, you know, oh, we're only, we're, I'm, I'm one man kind of guy and we're only going to be together. And if he ever does anything like that, then he's gone. Uh, and who sort of call gay men who have multiple sex partners, he, they call them sluts and, and skanks and whores. And this like I, this condescension about non-monogamy, when people who practice non-monogamy ethically and who do work at it, particularly those people who practice polyamory, of which we are those people. I mean, that's where it's coming from. It takes a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and it's a lot of no, but it is a lot of work. It's, it ain't easy being the slutty, honey. No, but, but but like it takes a lot of conversation, and let's be honest, we're not really being terribly slutty. Um, we get paid minimum wage, but we work hard no, at it. No, but like you know, it requires a lot of work, a discussion, and net negotiation, and and care and concern. It's not just a free for all, and it it very much bothers me. When I see people who experience marginalization for their sexuality fundamentally turn around and behave as though they're not doing something that society hates just by sleeping with their boyfriend. Mm -hmm. But it's only my boyfriend. Exactly. Like, how dare you? How dare you judge other people? for the choices that they make and the relationship structures that they set up that work for both people in those relationships. So remember the theme of this episode is choices. Yeah. Like, you know, how dare you judge those people when you yourself are engaging in a behavior that is overwhelmingly judged by society choices. Like girl, come on now. Come on. Are you sucking the D then you're doing a thing society doesn't like. Choices, choices, yeah, and you leave let like like chill on the judgment with non-monogamy, like chill with that. 
Because for the people who do it and who do it well, it's tough. Choices. That's all, really. <laughs> That's all I have left to add to this conversation. Well, that, okay. So this, I'm sorry if this turned into like a Cody rant, but it felt really good. Um, Choices. That, ooh, you shady, you shady lady. Choices. Next week on Bearded Fruit Musical Theater. <laughs> that was a choice. Uh, no. um, have you ever said a word so much that it just loses all meaning? Yes. Choices. Love. love. Whoa. Okay, I am leaving the room. I am gone. I am out of here. Bye. Oh no. Foley. No, yeah. So um. All right. So that that's a that's the episode for this week. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So um. As always, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, we are actually coming up on our one year anniversary. October eleventh is the the is one year since our first podcast episode was uh, released. So, um, stick around for for an episode then. And uh, thanks for sticking around with us if you've been listening to us for the long haul. Um, as always, you can find us. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can leave us a review or some stars and let us know that you like what we're doing. You can find us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit, and you can find us on the web at www.beardedfruit.com. And as always, we are so appreciative for everybody who listens. Uh, for those of you who have taken the time to send a message to us uh, on the various places that uh, there are out there letting us know that you like what we're doing, uh, it's very appreciated, and, and we, um, we're very encouraged by all the support we get. It's a very good choice on your part to do that yeah we like it so thank you and we'll see you next week choose to listen to us again